We'll begin by uh, looking here this morning at the value of a good and godly mother. The value of a good and godly mother. Oftentimes in life, things are not valued as they should be. And certainly, again, anyone can value things according to their particular perspective. But I want to consider here the value of a good and godly mother. It was my father that believed he was not rich materially in this world, but rather he was rich in family. And he certainly was. Having five boys that God graciously gave him and my mom. And so things and stuff don't matter so much to some. But certainly, most of us should and, and uh, are, are taught to value family. And so I want to consider your Proverbs chapter 31. We'll read through this chapter, at least the last part of this chapter, and we'll concentrate largely on verse number 10. And I give you the context here so you know a little bit about this mother who's written about in the Word of God, and she certainly was a treasure. Proverbs chapter 31, verse number 10. Who can find a virtuous woman, for her price is far above rubies. The heart of her husband does safely trust in her, so that he have no need of spoil. He, she will do him good and not evil all the days of her life. She seeketh wool and flax, and worketh willingly with her hands. She is like the merchant ship, she bringeth her food from afar. She rises up also while is yet night, and giveth meat to her household, and a portion to her maidens. She considereth a field and buyeth it. With the fruit of her hands she planteth a vineyard. She girdeth her loins with strength and strengtheneth her arms. She perceiveth that her merchandise is good. Her candle goeth not out by night. She layeth her hands to the spindle, her hands hold the distaff. She stretches out her hand to the poor. Yea, she reaches forth her hands to the needy. She's not afraid of the snow for her household. For all the household are clothed with scarlet. She maketh herself coverings of tapestry. Her clothing is silk and purple. Her husband is known in the gates. When he sitteth among the elders of the land, he maketh she maketh fine linen and selleth it, and delivereth the girdles unto the merchants. Strength and honor are clothing. She shall rejoice in time to come. She openeth her mouth with wisdom, and her tongue is a law of kindness. She looketh well to the ways of her household, and eateth not the bread of idleness. Her children arise and call her blessed. Her husband also, he praises her. Many daughters have done virtuously, but thou excelst them all. Favor is deceitful, beauty is vain, but a woman that feareth the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her the fruit of her hands, and let her own works praise her in the gates." This morning, I want to look at this thought, the value of a good and godly mother. Let's pray as we consider this thought. Father, we thank you again for your word here today. Thank you again for this passage and certainly the word of God that elevates the mother, our mothers, your mother, whoever's mother, again, we're talking about here today to a place that I believe it should be elevated to. Again, I ask that you just bless this time as we consider the word of God here today and help us again to uh, be in a position where we would uh, seek to honor and value our mother as we should. Bless this time as we consider the word of God. Thank you for it. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, as I think of mothers, I, I believe that most people value their mother the longer they live. I do believe that in most cases. Most people value their mother the longer they live. The longer they're around, the, the more they'll value their mother. Even after their mother may pass off the scene, their value for their mother will grow, I believe, as it should. And again, I think, again, as a Christian, it is good for us to understand the value of mother because mothers have been so downgraded by our society. It's so downgraded many times by people around us that we look at mothers as maybe just you know, something, you know, someone has to go through to have children. Who can find a virtuous woman, the Bible says there, verse 10. It says, for her price is far above rubies. You know, there's a price to everything. But what is the price 
of a mother, a mother such as the one that's written about here in Proverbs 31. I'm not going to go through the details of this mother, but I see her as a humble, respectful, dutiful, loving, helpful, affectionate, faithful, prudent mother. What's the value of that kind of mother? The world might say there's no value to that kind of mother. But the word of God there says there's much value to that kind of mother. What is the price of a virtuous woman? What is the price of a virtuous mother? Which it talks about here. It talks about a mother and talks about a husband. It talks about children. It talks about the, that mother again being valued there. Verse number 28 it says her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband, he praises her. What is the value of this woman? For us to understand the value of this woman, we need to look at verse number 10 a little bit. As again, it describes this woman, this mother here in the Bible. This term word phrase, far above, is used but five times in our English Bibles. Five times in our English Bibles, this far above phrase. This two word phrase. And as I think about far above, I'm talking about way above. I'm talking about really way above when it uses the phrase far above. Again, the word far means not close. She is not close to the value of rubies. I mean, when I think about far, I think about a great distance. We're not talking something that's near, we're talking something that's far. And again, again, the Bible describes again the, the woman here, the wife, as being far above rubies. Her price is far above rubies. If a plane flew far above us, we would notice it way up, off in the distance, and we say, you know, that plane is far above us. And if a plane was really near to us, we would say, you know, that plane is near to us. I'm not trying to put a mother on a pedestal that is above the word of God because the Bible describes the woman here as her price is far above rubies. Do you think of your mother in those kinds of terms? Her price, her value is far above rubies. I believe often we don't think of our mothers like we should. We don't think of them being far above rubies in value. We don't thank, or thank God to some degree that we have a good mother or a godly mother. You know, some of us take this for granted that we have mothers. And we don't think of what it took to be a mother, what went into being a mother, and all the, the heartache and all the joy that, that mothers experience in life. But our value is far above rubies. I want to look at a few of those verses that have the word far above in it. Again, to help us understand, I believe, some things about far above. Let's turn, if you would, back to Psalm chapter 97. Psalm chapter 97. I'm not saying, again, these are equal. I'm just saying they're the words used here. The word phrase here is far above used here in the Bible. And so, again, it helps, again, for us to understand, again, some things about the value of a mother. You know, again, people don't value sometimes their mother as they should. And I, I think about sometimes how awful people treat their mother. I think about how little sometimes society looks down at motherhood, like motherhood's a curse. I'll be honest with you, when Mrs. Obama talked about how motherhood, you know, kept her back from some of her dreams, I thought to myself, well, I thought to myself some things maybe I shouldn't repeat. (laughs) I thought about, what value do you have on motherhood? You missed out on some of your dreams. Poor mom. Motherhood isn't about necessarily dreams, your dreams. It's about others. It's about living to help others to live for God and live after the truth. And to be an example to others. Psalm 97, verse number 9, there are some people that just would want above anything to be a mother. Above anything, they'd want to be a mother. I mean, they, they have sleepless nights thinking about, I wish I could be a mother. 
maybe even in a family, but they can't be a mother for whatever reason it might be. The value of mothers far above rubies. Psalm 97, verse number 10, the Bible says, For thou, Lord, are high above all the earth. Thou art exalted far above all gods. Now, it's easy for us to understand that if we're believers, that when it comes to gods, the gods of this world, you have the gods of this world way down here, really of very little worth, very little value. They can't talk, they can't speak. And even the gods, the Bible talks about men being gods. We have them way down here. And where's God? Far above. Far above all principality and power. Far above all other gods. High above the earth, all the earth, everything in the earth, all above the mountains of the earth, far above. God is far above all gods. We understand that, don't we? And many of us recognize that. Let's turn to Ephesians chapter 1. The Lord is far above all gods. And we get that. We understand that. We understand, again, the position of God. He is far above any person, any principality, any power, any authority. Ephesians chapter 1, notice here, we see this in the Bible. Ephesians chapter 1, verse number 20 and verse number 21, it says, Which hath wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in how many places? Far above all principality and power and might and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in the world, but is in the world to come, and hath put, uh, put all things under his feet, and gave him to be head above all things to the church. And so, if we understand the Bible, we see Jesus Christ is far above all things in the church. He is far above all principality, power, might, and dominion. There's nothing to be compared to the power, the might, the majesty, of God. He's far above all. Principality, power, and might, and dominion, and every name that is named. Every name. The greatness, the wonder of God, the height of God. We could talk about the value of God, the power of God, the majesty of God. It's far above all. Let's turn to Job chapter... 28, Job chapter 28. A virtuous woman should be valued. A mother, I believe, should be valued. Someone says, well, what if the mother doesn't meet everything on the checklist in the book of Proverbs? Well, I would say most, most mothers don't, but I don't also, I also know that, again, when it comes to the word of God, that you, you think about it, you know, it's, this woman is described as far above value of rubies. But let's understand a little bit about the values of some things. You know, because people don't value things like they should. We often don't value things as they should. We don't often value family like we should. We don't often value things like we should. I think, again, what's going on in the world today helps people to get maybe some values back in perspective. What is valuable? What is of worth? Job 38, verse number 12, let's pick up there. Job 38, verse number 12. It says, man knoweth not the price thereof. I, sorry, verse 12, we're starting verse 13. It says, but where shall wisdom be found? And where is the place of understanding? So where do these things fit in? Man knoweth not the price thereof, neither is it found in the land of the living. The depth saith, it is not in me. The sea saith, it is not with me. It cannot be gone for gold, neither can, shall silver be weighed for the price thereof. It cannot be valued with the gold of Ophener, uh, with the precious onyx or the sapphire. The gold and the crystal cannot equal it. The exchange of it shall not be for the jewels of fine gold. Not men, no, no mention shall be of the coral or of the pearls, for the price of wisdom is above rubies. The price of wisdom is where? 
You know, people don't care about the wisdom of God much today, and it's of a concern to me that people don't care about the wisdom of God today. Do you care about the wisdom of God? Do you value the wisdom of God? The wisdom of God is above rubies. It's above gold. It's above precious stones. It's above precious things. And yet people don't value wisdom. The price of wisdom, the Bible says there, verse 18 is what? It's above rubies. The value of a godly and good woman is far above rubies. Far above rubies. Let's turn to Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3. A virtuous woman ought to be valued. She ought to be valued. It doesn't mean she's going to be valued. She may not be valued like she should be. And we may not value our mothers like we should. As sons and daughters. But we should value them because they are of much value to those that understand the value of a, a mother. Proverbs chapter 3 here, verse number 13, the Bible says, Happy is the man that findeth wisdom, the man that getteth understanding. For the merchandise of it is better than the merchandise of silver and the gain thereof of fine gold. She, that is wisdom, is more precious than rubies. In all things thou canst desire are not to be compared unto her. You know, wisdom is precious. It is, the Bible says, more precious than rubies. And so as I think about, again, a godly and good mother, she's precious. She's more precious than rubies. The Bible says this, and she is to be vowed, and she is to be praised. Let's turn to Proverbs chapter 31. This world is not going to praise motherhood much longer. And I believe that's because we have a lot of anti-God thoughts about motherhood that permeate our society. They permeate our society. And again, mother, again, is looked down on rather than looked up to. She should be looked up to, not looked down on. It's wrong. I believe it's sinful for us to look down on our mothers. Now, someone might say, well, what are you talking about? The Bible tells us in Exodus we are to honor father and mother. That is, we are to honor them. We are to uh, look at them as having value. We are to revere them. We are to, to, to think well of them. We are to think humbly maybe about ourselves and, and think greatly about who we have as Someone that God graciously gave us for a mother. Proverbs chapter 31. Let's go back there again. I just want to read this verse again before we move on here a little bit. The Bible says, Proverbs 31 verse 28. It says, her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also praises her. The children see her as blessed. She's blessed in being a mother. She is blessed. In having the understanding of God. She is blessed in doing the will of God. She is blessed fulfilling that role in society that society needs. And then it says her husband, he also praises her. The husband also praises and he values his, his godly mother and his godly wife if he has one. Let's turn to Genesis chapter 4. You know, children, I believe, are a, a joyous reward to those who get them. Children are a joyous reward to those that God graciously gives to them. Genesis chapter 4, verse number 1 and verse number 2, the Bible says this, And Adam knew Eve his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. And she, again, bare his brother Abel. And Abel was a keeper of the sheep. And Cain was a tiller of the ground. I've gotten a man from the Lord. What a precious thing for God to give us children. Again, when we think about children, people don't value having children. They don't value, again, uh, children. And they don't value many times motherhood. But let's turn over to Psalm 113, if we could. Psalm 113 and... We'll go ahead and read the first nine verses of this chapter, Psalm 113 and verse number one. 
You know, as I think about motherhood and I think about fatherhood and I think about children, all these things are a blessing of the Lord. A great blessing of the Lord. And uh, God made motherhood to be a blessing. And, and again, I believe uh, Eve again saw again those two children, those, those, those sons there as a blessing. And they brought joy to the home and joy to her heart. And I, again, I just can't fully comprehend what a mother experiences when they find themselves having a child given to them graciously of the Lord. But notice here in Psalm 113, uh, we find here, I believe, the mentality of a mother maybe that had struggles in having children. And let's go ahead and read through this chapter to get an understanding of what she thinks about motherhood. Psalm 113, verse 1, it says, Praise ye the Lord, praise, O ye servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time and forevermore. From the rising of the sun unto the going down the same, the Lord's name is to be praised. The Lord is high above all nations, his glory above all the heavens. Who is like unto the Lord our God, who dwelleth on high, who humbleth himself to behold the things that are in heaven, and the earth. He raises up the poor out of the dust. He lifted up the needy out of the dunghill, that he may set him with princes, even the princes of his people. He maketh the barren woman to keep house and to be the joyful mother of children. Praise ye the Lord. He maketh the barren woman to keep house and to be a joyful mother of children. I think certainly about the person Hannah there in the Bible and how she got Samuel from the Lord. After struggling to have children and after praying for children, finally Hannah got Samuel from the Lord and dedicated this son to the Lord. And then God graciously gave her more children and how she would have had joy in each of these children that were graciously given to her of the Lord. The media and movies and the feminist movement and all kinds of things are seeking as, they mu as much as they can to destroy this idea of motherhood being a blessing. And again, a peculiarity and something that is given to us graciously of the Lord. Turn to Psalm 127. Psalm 127. God says motherhood is a tremendous blessing. God says in his word that, again, a, a mother is, again, to be uh, looked at as, as someone, again, who is of great value. Does the scripture, again, support this thought? It does. Notice here, Psalm 127, verse number 3, it says, Lo, children are the heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are the children of the youth. Happy is a man that hath his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed of them, but they shall speak of the enemies at the gate. Notice what it says there in verse number three there. It says the fruit of the womb is his reward. You know, mothers are rewarded with children. And children are of great value to the Lord. And mothers are of great value to the Lord. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. I tell you somewhat the value of a child who's saved by grace. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. And so certainly children are precious, but certainly the Bible and Proverbs elevates motherhood to where it should be. But yet, let me just say this, wicked, and that's, that's a powerful word, I understand that. Wicked feminism has sought to put down motherhood. Planned Parenthood, and the founder of Planned Parenthood once wrote this in a book, the most merciful thing a, a large family can do to one of its infant members is to kill it. You know, I read that and I think about that, and I think about the mentality of that. That is so wicked, is it not? Planned Parenthood, the most merciful thing a large family could do to its infant members is to kill it. Kill your own child that you graciously be given to you by God. You know, feminist founders have looked at 
the, the, the woman, and, and again, motherhood is being an illegitimate profession. One woman said this, a family maker is a choice it shouldn't be. I don't understand even that kind of mentality. She must be kind of, I'm not trying to be too mean, but you're kind of dead in the head. If, if you don't have family makers, you don't have people. If you don't have people, you don't have society. If you don't have society, you don't have anyone around. Family maker is a choice it shouldn't be. The choice should be to serve and protect planning of the family. Again, this, this, these thought processes, they, they go throughout society and people will often say it, and I was just talking to someone last week about this, and I'm not trying to be mean here, but is it your choice to put someone to death? What if I decide today, one of you or somebody out there, is it, is it my choice to put someone to death? What if it did, it's just indiscriminately went over to this blue house? I'm not saying I would do this. certainly wouldn't do this. But what if I went over to that blue house across the street and I decide, I, I know, I'm pretty sure there's a husband and a wife there. What if I decide I just put one of those people to death? So you've got to be out of your mind. Why would you do that? That's wrong. That's, that's evil. That's wicked. But then it's okay for mothers to put their children to death. I get this. This makes sense. No, it doesn't make sense at all. Again, as we think about motherhood today, I want us to think about the value of mothers. And as we think about the mothers, large families are something that we should be uh, thinking about being blessed with. Not a blight to society. So many, again, look at, again, children as being something that holds them back from their dreams or aspirations, etc. But just think about a mother and how, if she has children, how her dreams and other people's dreams can be fulfilled by the expanse of her family. I mean, she can have someone in her family, like some people's family, who's a doctor here. And then in, a, in her family, she can have, and I'm not saying, I'm not trying to put people in certain categories, but I'm saying from her family can come a doctor here. And from her family can come a missionary family here. And here, from her family can come a faithful church member here. And from her family, she can have this one here and that one there and this one there and that one there and this one there and that one there and this one here and that one there and this one there and that one there. And I'm just counting like colonial days where they had eight and 12 and 15 and 16 members of family. Imagine today if we had Christians multiplying like they did not so long ago. Can you imagine the effect on the world? We see the effect of the world when it comes to, again, the Muslims, do we not today? Ask Brother Turks about Indonesia and how that's changed over the years. Christian families decide, you know, we're going to have one or two. Muslim families, we have a dozen we can't, maybe even more. And you wonder why the world's heathen today. And you wonder why, again, society is struggling today. If atheists are producing atheists and agnostics are producing agnostics and Muslims are producing Muslims that can be converted, I'm not saying they can't be converted, and if, if Buddhists are producing Buddhists and Christians are producing very few Christians, who are we to say, I can't understand why society is like what it's like today. The radical, again, agenda has been telling us, again, not to have children, to plan children, plan parenthood. I wonder how many people do too much planning when it comes to parenthood. Let's turn to Psalm 127 there again. Just look at that verse. Lo, children are the heritage of the Lord. The fruit of his, the womb is his reward. So think about families. And I'm not trying to be mean when it comes to families. I understand, again, it's not easy to raise a family today. And I understand, again, you know, that having a large family isn't something that's easy to have today. But I wonder how many people could have a larger family if they really wanted to today. And if they'd put their heart into today, and if they would 
give themselves over to the family today and, and understand that they can multiply themselves not only in themselves and people that they see saved, but also in people that may grow up in their family. Let's turn to Mark chapter 3. No family can function, I believe, as well as it could without a mother. You know, we, we, we look again around the country and we look around the world and we wonder why it's headed and what most would describe if they were just honest, not necessarily in the right direction. Society seems to be collapsing around us to some degree and we wonder why again it's collapsing because there's a lot of problems in the family. Mark chapter 3, verse number 24 through verse number 26 the Bible says this, If a kingdom be divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. If a house be divided against itself, the house cannot stand. And if Satan rise up against himself and be divided, he cannot stand, but hath an end. House divided against itself. Think about society. Again, it's really a house set against itself. But let's talk here for a little bit here. I say a little bit because I think we could talk a lot about motherhood. So we could spend a lot of time on this. But let's talk here about the facts of motherhood. Why is she so precious and why is she so valuable? Well, first of all, I want to mention here she's irreplaceable. There is no real good replacement for mother. I don't care if they come up with, again, some robotic type person, robot of sorts. And again, you'll, if you look a little bit and you, you search on the internet, you can see how incredible robots are becoming. And I just want to say, there's not going to be a good replacement for mother that comes out of the robotics that come in the future. I mean, some people may come up someday, and I, I don't see it that far down the road, but they may come up someday where maybe someone doesn't even have to get married, and maybe they can just have this robot, so to speak, uh, to take the place of their mother. I mean, they could get this robot equipped so this robot could maybe do the dishes and, and clean the floor and, and maybe even care for the baby and wiggle around and understand if it squeaks like this, it does this and that. And the other. But I'm just saying, it's not going to be good. It's not going to be a good replacement for the mother. You know, we find again facts and statistics that soon fade off into history you know, during my day, there was a lot of talk about latchkey kids, but you don't hear about latchkey kids anymore. Anybody even know what that term is? The young people here probably never heard about it. I could ask my own children, what's a latchkey kid? We don't hear about it today because there's a lot of latchkey kids. A latchkey kid is a kid that comes home from work and there's no mother there, there's no father there, there's an empty house there. And there were studies back in the 80s about latchkey kids. And I just want to just mention a few things about latchkey kids. And this is not in all cases of latchkey kids, but in that study of latchkey kids, it said that kids that are latchkey kids suffer from stress, loneliness, and fear. Someone says, well, that's no big deal. I've got to deal with those things in life, stress, loneliness, and fear. Well, that's back in the 80s. You know, I grew up in the 80s, and I graduated from high school in 1988. There was a study back in 1988, I believe, in 88, 87, somewhere along that lines, where they looked at third graders in Dallas. You hear a lot about Dallas today. But they looked at, at, at third graders in Dallas. That's when daycare became somewhat more popular in the 1980s. I'm just telling you that. I, I grew up kind of in that transitional time from the 70s and the 80s where you started to see daycares pop up. And they did a study on daycare kids. And, and again, I, I, I'm probably will offend, again, maybe someone who grew up as a daycare person and might hear a message like this and they might say, you know, well, you're just against daycare kids. I'm not against daycare kids. I wish mothers would take uh, good care of their kids. I wish society would make it easier for moms to take care of their kids and, and that sort of thing. But they follow out with daycare kids. This is back then that these children grew up more uncooperative, 
less socially successful and less academically successful than people that had their mother still in the home. Now, I understand that people don't like to hear this and don't want to hear this, but I can just tell you this. I had a mother in the home, and she stayed in the home. It was a sacrifice for her to be in the home, and it made us, as children, better in most respects. There is no adequate substitute for a mother, especially in the early years of life. I mean, I understand, again, grandmas may be a substitute at times. I understand, again, more and more in society, again, people are pushing their kids off to, again, different things, again, maybe to entertain them so they can work at whatever it might be. But who can teach a child values? Who can teach a child what they should be? Who could be that person that can mentor them the way they should be? I can say this, a mother can do that best. And you can look at all your replacements and you can say, well, we got daycare moms. I know there's daycare moms that care about those children. Some of them like their very own children. And they try to pour themselves into them maybe because they could have children. But there's still no replacement for mom. No, no, no best replacement for mom. No equal replacement for mom. Let's turn to Titus chapter 2. No one can love her own children like a mom can. No one will sit there and, 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 and uh, nurse a child back to health like a mom can or a dad can or a grandma maybe that has to because maybe a mother's passed away or whatever. There's, there's, there's different situations. I understand that out in the world, but, but no one can be there like a mom can. Titus chapter 2 here, verse number 4 and 5, it says that they teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. There's no real good replacement for mom. You know, baby formula has been created to replace mother's milk. But any mom who knows it, any physician that knows anything about mother's milk, Mother's milk is better for the baby than formula. Now, understanding that someone says, well, certain kids, etc., da-da-da, they'll, they'll make excuses for different things, etc., but, I mean, there's a whole lot of things that come through mother's milk. And that's why some of you, you know, even with the difficulties of, of, of again, nursing a child, etc., mothers will do that because there's nothing that replaces some things that only moms can provide. You think about in the Bible, book of Exodus, again, what happened with Moses when he was picked up there out of the water. Find a woman to nurse it. And of course, that woman to nurse it was, in fact, the true mother. And so, why are mothers so bad? Because they're irreplaceable. No one can really replace a mother. You can try, and I understand there has to be substitutes sometimes. I understand, again, sometimes in the Bible, there's stepmothers that come into place. I understand, again, even in, in, in times are, are, are times where someone doesn't have a mother, again, to take care of a child. Again, if they don't, again, someone has to be that substitute, trying to be as much like a mother as they can be, but it's so difficult for them. So glad I had a mother and have a mother still. She's irreplaceable. She's my mom. She always will be. Turn to Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2. The worth of a good and godly mother, she's irreplaceable. I say secondly about, again, the value of a mother, she's indispensable. I believe, again, as I talk about irreplaceable, indispensable, very complimentary, they're very much the same in many things, but I say this, she's indispensable. That is, children need a mother. Look at Genesis chapter 2. Just like, again, you'll find in the Bible, again, a, a man there to have a family needs a, needs a wife to complete a family. They can create all kinds of fictitious things when it comes to so-called family today, but they're not really families. Genesis chapter 2 and verse number 20, it says, And Adam gave names to the cattle and to the fowl of the earth and to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found a help meet for him. You know, he couldn't go over and say, 
hey, Mr. Giraffe, you know, Mrs. Giraffe, you, you, you can be, you know, you can be something in my household. You know, Mr. Dog, Mrs. Dog, Mrs. Cat, Mr. Cat, whatever it might be, you, you can be what I need. No, it says, there's not found a help me for him till Eve was made. And then he had to help me. Then he had, again, what he needed. A father needs a mother. A husband needs a wife. Children need a mother. They need that mother, again, to be what she can be in that family. Let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. You know, some people look at different things today, and they, they look at things as essentials, non-essentials. And maybe I talk maybe a little bit about this too much, but I'm just saying things are essential and non-essential, and they'll say, well, it's not essential that you have a mother in the home. All we need is, again, maybe a birth mother, and that's all we need. That's all we need is a birth mother, and everything will be all right. You can drop that kid off with, you know, maybe a couple guys. You can drop it off with a single guy. You can drop it off with a single girl. You can drop it off with anybody. You can drop it off at the daycare. You can drop it off at the school, and everything will be good and fine with that child. I wonder about that child someday as they grow up to think about, who was my mother? Or who, it, who am I? I believe they're indispensable. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse number 22 in the church. I just want to mention, it says here, verse number 22, it says, Nay, much more those members of the body which seem to be more feeble are necessary. And so someone might say, you know, there are certain people in the church that are indispensable and some that are valuable. There's some, again, that are needful and some not so needful. But yet the Bible says the more feeble parts of the body are necessary. And so in some families, maybe they are given a special child along the way. I say a special child. Maybe, again, someone with deformities or, or something, again, that maybe, again, the world will look at as a handicap or whatever it might be. And uh, they might look at that child in the family and say, well, why is this one in our family? Why is this one not in our family? Each member of family is given to us graciously by God to help that family become all that it can be for God. I think of, again, some people that I know that have what I call a special member of their family. Again, there's a missionary, again, church planner that just organized a church down there in Nevada, Carson City, Nevada. I think of that with that special member they have in the family and how that's made them a better family. I think of Brother Robbins there up there in, in Grand Forks, North Dakota, Brian Robbins. He has a special member in their family, doesn't he? Most of you know him. You see him out at camp. He's wheeling around in this little this cart and cart, and someone says, well, he's certainly a special member of that family. He's a special member of the family. If you look at those parents today, are they more godly in some ways because they have that member of the family. Are they more caring in some ways? Are they better givers today? Do they understand God better to get? Do they understand what family really means today by having special members of the family? Every member of the family is necessary. My, my home is what it is because God made it to be what it should be. And so again, I think about mothers and they are indispensable. A family needs a mother. Let's turn to 1 Timothy chapter 5. A family needs a mother. A family certainly needs a father, but a, a family needs a mother or someone, again, who's going to act in the place of a, a mother. And again, all they can do is do all that they can do, the best they can do in that situation. Again, I understand, again, sometimes, again, mothers, again, become mothers again. Certainly we see that in many cultures today, especially in some cultures across the the world, we find, again, the grandmother becoming a mother to those children. There's certainly, again, someone that needs to be a mother to the children. You say, why is that? Well, notice here in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse number 14, the Bible says, I will, therefore, the young women marry, bear children, guide the house, give none occasion to adversary to speak reproachfully. Why must families have a mother there, young women are to guide the house. Imagine what the house would look like if, you know, in society, again, we didn't have mothers. 
I mean, somehow we would get these children, but we didn't have mothers. And they were just but fathers. And uh, we had fathers that still needed to work. And so what would those children do? Well, <laughs> I suppose that dad, he tried to work outside the home and he tried to work with those children to some degree. And as those children grow up, maybe again, someone has to be like the mother in the home. And, it, and you think about families like that and how hard that must be for them. But I think about the Bible and how children are to guide the home. I mean, sorry, mothers are to guide the home. And with no guide in the home, how are children to turn out right? I mean, the stress, the strain, the unhappiness, sometimes the regret, again, some have as they grow up, as they see their children, were not guided as they should be. Say, maybe someone, again, in society guided them in the wrong direction. The guide of the home wasn't there as they could have been. It's necessary and needful that mothers be in the home because they are there to guide. You don't have, again, uh, someone who does well that doesn't have a guide. Turn to 2 Timothy. What is a guide? A guide is a mentor. A guide is someone, again, maybe that would show you, again, how to get something or gain something or how to do something. They need that guide in the home. I believe, again, mothers are also very... Uh, valuable and of great worth, thirdly, because they are influential. And I say they are more influential, I believe, in most people's family than the father is. And you say, why do I say that? Because they spend more time with their children than a father will. In the average family, in the average society, a mother will spend more time with their children than a father will. And so the, the mother has the Ability to influence her children. Notice what happens here in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse number 5. What kind of faith does Timothy follow after? 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5. It says, And when I called to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois, and in thy mother Eunice, I am, and I am persuaded that in thee also. Who did this Timothy follow after? He followed after Eunice. And who did Eunice follow after? She followed after Lois. And whose faith did this, this, this Timothy follow after? The faith of her mother. Mothers have a strong, powerful influence on their children for good or for bad. You'll see in the Bible, in the Old Testament, you'll see again sometimes sons stirred up to do evil because of their mother. You'll find in the Bible, you'll find sons stirred to do right because of their mother. I'm not saying in all cases, but in many cases, you'll find again people influenced by their mother. It was Lord Shaftley that said, Give me a generation of Christian mothers, and I will undertake to change the whole society in 12 months. Now, that may not or may be true, but you can change society through the mothers. Mothers can shape their children emotionally, spiritually, academically, and mentally in so many different ways. They can make impressions on them that will last forever. They can instruct them in character that they will carry on and pass on to their children and their children's children. They can, again, take on philosophies, good or bad, that are, again, ones that will guide them through life. So let's turn back to Proverbs chapter 31 there. Proverbs chapter 31. Why are mothers most valuable? Why are they most precious? Why are they to be thought of as being, again, maybe something looked up to rather than looked out upon because their value is so valuable. And so I just want to close with looking at some of the values that mothers give. A good and godly mother is precious and priceless because there's no one that can curse, kiss away the hurts like a mother can. Again, a good and godly mother, again, is precious and priceless because she can cheer on fervently her children in the way that she could, they should go. There again, the, the mother's value is precious and priceless because she can challenge them in what is right and what is wrong. She can passionately influence them by saying, you can do it, son. You can do it, daughter. 
A mother can be that coach, that cheerleader, that helper, that influence that can cheer children on to go beyond the call of duty for both God and country. She can be committed to her family. She can sacrifice for her family. She can burn the candle at night for her family. She can give her time and treasure and her talent and her life for her family. Her price, you can't put a price on a nurse, a teacher, a counselor, a helper, an encourager, a lover, a friend, a guide. On and on it goes. You can't put a price on someone like that. You can't pay a person enough to take that place in most family. You couldn't pay a person enough money to, to take and do all the things a mother must do and should do in a family. And so when we look again at a mother here today, this Mother's Day, let's understand her value. The Bible says, who can find a virtuous woman? Her price is far above rubies. There's some things you can't put a price on. You can't put a price on a real, true friendship. I'm just saying that. You can't put a price on that. If you have a real, true friendship, you can't put a price on that. You can't put a price on eternal life because eternal life is something you need. It's so valuable. You can't put a price on that. You can't really put a very good price on wisdom. She is more precious than rubies. You can't put a price on knowledge. The lips of the knowledge are precious like unto a jewel. You can't put a price on it when it comes to a soul. For what shall profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Why is a mother most precious and priceless? Because she's irreplaceable, she's indispensable, she's influential, and she's invaluable. The Bible teaches us in verse 10, who can find a virtuous woman for her price as far above rubies? The heart of her husband does safely trust in her, so she have no need of spoil. She will do him good and not evil all the days of her life. Verse 29, it says, She looketh well to the ways of her household, and eateth not the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, he praises her. Many daughters have done virtuously, but thou excelst them all. Favor is deceitful, and beauty is vain, but a woman that feareth the Lord, she shall be praised. I encourage you again to honor your mother this Mother's Day, and honor her memory if she's gone.